There was a rather peculiar limerick being delivered by someone in the shuttlecraft bay. I am not sure I understand it. There was a young lady from Venus whose body was shaped like a... Captain to security, come in! Did I say something wrong? I don't understand their humor either. Live long and prosper. Don't do that. I am not a merry man. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Rebels Rebels, the podcast that usually explores the Star Wars expanded universe by deep dives into TVs, movies, comics, and everything else. But currently, we are finishing a limited series where we explore the Star Trek universe. Mm. I'm a sassy teen with a radical rat tail and mommy issues. He's a sassy young adult who also has mommy issues. It's Mike. Mm -hmm. It's me. Welcome. Welcome, everyone. Yeah. This is is so sad. A sad episode and a very different episode. Um, You know, you don't, no one cares about it. I'm Can't very sad. Dramatic. I, I am so sad. I'm going to cry myself to sleep. Yeah, fair. Because we recorded a very good episode. I honestly thought it was probably the best of the Star Trek episodes, and I thought we had a very cool conversation about it. Um, and then we had some technical difficulties that we could not control, and we lost Mike's audio. So we mm-hmm. only have one side of that conversation. Honestly, I don't know if we can we can recapture that magic with a full episode. So we just decided. This episode, we're going to talk about the pilot of Star Trek Prodigy, the new young young person um, animated series. And we were also going to talk about Lower Decks and the future of Star Trek. And we also have to find out if Mike is a Star Trek fan. So we're just going to get from his words very quickly, just high level, how he felt about all those series and if he's a Star Trek fan and then... If you want, stay tuned at the end. I I can tend to monologue a bit like I am doing right now. So I'm guessing there is some of my audio we can use to kind of talk about behind the scenes and fun facts about these series and some of our general thoughts about the series. So if you want to hear that, you can continue past the first 10 or 15 minutes or so, and it will be at the end of the episode. Does that sound good to you, Mike? Yeah, it sounds great. Let's do it. Cool. Which one do you want to start with? Do you want to start with Prodigy or Lower Decks? Let's start with Prodigy. Cool. So we watched the the opening. It's technically two episodes, um, but it's kind of put into one one mini movie type thing. The pilot of Star Trek Prodigy. Um, these are the animated series, like I said, that were focused at kids, which is totally new. And the reason I thought it would be cool is we started as a Star Wars Rebels rewatch, and this feels very, very, very Star Wars Rebels. And I thought... Yeah you would be kind of interested at least to see that. So how did you like Star Trek Prodigy, Mike? Yeah, I liked it. Um, it it's interesting. We, when we first recorded this, I probably liked it more. <laughs> interesting. Than I do now. Um, I'm about three episodes in, and, um, you know, from the the initial, tra- uh, initial kind of premiere, that was two episodes, and then the next one, you know, and then they go to, like, those 20-minute chunks. And I... I still enjoy it, but the main character bugs me so much that <laughs> it, it's still a little hard, and I'm waiting for him to have an arc that redeems him. But uh, I think when we first did our episode, something I said is, and I still believe it, that opening, that pilot, to me, is really good. It's better than the yeah. Rebels pilot. Um, and it's it's so character-by-character character Rebels, too. It's like, you know, it's everyone's there. Yeah, um, it's kind of insane how much of a Rebels analog this is. Yeah. Um, in a way that I don't think necessarily is derivative. I do think they're doing their own thing. But what I, why I bring that up is if you did tune into our podcast as a fan of Star Wars Rebels, I think it's definitely worth at least checking this series out yeah. and seeing how you like it. Yeah, and it's good. It's, yeah. It is good. I, I'm going to finish it. I'm not going as fast as I am with other Star Trek things I am currently continuing to watch. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the the last thing I'll, I'll say about it is you hit the main point is the the Rebels analog is so strong that it even goes down to 
the main character in Prodigy. Aladdin. Yeah. Is Aladdin and he's really annoying, like you said. And yeah. he's very annoying, very much like Ezra Bridger in season one of uh Star Trek. And I think that was kind of our conclusion to this was a wait and see. Again, it's kind of a wait yeah. and see thing. It's will he grow? Because Ezra Bridger was so annoying and he grew into such a cool character that I love dearly. And so will the same character do the, do that? Um, will he cut off that ridiculous rat tail? I don't know. Um, but yeah, uh, I think that's, that's the general vibe of prodigy. Do you have any other prodigy thoughts that you want to get out there? Um, the big, the big plus for me is this show is absolutely stunning. The visual, the visuals of this show are just a masterpiece. It's so different from anything I've ever seen. And it's, I wish I had a a crazy TV. uh, I don't even know what TV (laughs) technology is these days, but it's, it's awesome. It's super beautiful. Yep. Absolutely. And so Check out Star Trek Prodigy on Paramount Plus if you are a Rebels fan or you are interested. Like I said at the top, um, I will salvage what I can from my audio and dive a little bit more into the specific characters, a little bit more of the history, some of the behind the scenes stuff about how this was developed, which I think is pretty interesting. And so if you are interested in a little more information, we will try to provide as much as we can. You want to move on to Lower Decks? Yeah, let's do it. Oh, yeah. I feel like you're excited about Lower yeah, Decks. Let's, yeah, let's talk about this one. Yeah, you. I am excited just based on the text messages you've been sending me the last couple <laughs> weeks. Mike, so how good. do you feel about Lower Decks? It's genius. It oh, is, it's so good, right? It's utterly genius. I'm almost done with... Well, no. I'm on like season two, episode three now. So I probably have... I probably should slow down. So there's only seven episodes left. And my question for you actually is... Is season three confirmed? It is confirmed. There is no uh, official date for it yet, but it definitely is confirmed. Okay. It is so funny. You gave me a great episode to watch in retrospect, like a really strong one. We watched episode four, Moist Vessel, and it was the, you know, Ascension scene at the end is just absolutely bonkers. (laughs) Um, And the characters, what's funny is, and one of the things we talked about and the differences between... Lower Decks and Prodigy um, is that Lower Decks is really a comedy. When you describe it, you tend, I would describe it to a friend more from the plot. Well, it's about this cast of, you know, it's about this crew and they're, but they're the Lower Decks, you know, they're, you know, they're not on the Enterprise. Yep. They're kind of, uh, they're on this other vessel that's, you know, doesn't have El all Cerrito. like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> such a funny name. Which is great because if you know anything about California, that's like not a magnificent town either. Yeah, um, exactly. And all, a lot of the towns are Californian names, like the San Clemente, and like yeah. uh, there is no San Clemente, or like, um, but uh, I, I feel like you tend to describe Lower Decks at least season one more from like what's so funny about it, but you tend to describe Prodigy more on a character level of like, oh, it's this cast who's like mm-hmm. this and this, and you. Um, but as I am, the more I'm watching lower decks, the characters in, you know, when season two are really coming to life and you're as interested in the characters as you are in the hilarity of the show. Um, and it's, it's just a freaking masterpiece, I think. And already season two is quite a step up from season one and it's just really freaking good. Yeah, I, I love it, and I think I'm glad that you are picking up on that as you're going through. I think it's hard to introduce someone to it because it is a comedy, it's an animated comedy. It's we didn't say this, but it's more of a young adult or adult comedy. In the lines of Rick and Morty, and it was actually created by one of the head writers of Rick and Morty. Um, but it's not as wild, it's not as crazy, it's not as yeah, dark and not like as, yeah. you know. I, I'm still a fan of it, but you know, Rick and Morty can get pretty intense. Yeah, and um, it doesn't work for me all the time. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, when you're coming in cold, I think that it is a comedy. Like you're coming in cold to be like, oh, I want to laugh. But as you go through these characters, it is a Star Trek show at its yeah. at its heart, which is so great. And I think even this episode is, you know, all this all the stuff is background that is the action, the quote unquote action, you know, there's the Genesis ship and all the things blowing up and all that stuff, the ascension, like that's all background to character development. You know, this is the first time that Freeman and Mariner openly 
you know, talk about their relationship as mom and daughter and they're working out their issues uh, on a personal level, you know. The ascension thing is Tendi is trying to deal with how she's so needy and she like can't have people not like her. And as we learn more about her, it's because she's an Orion, which her race has been seen as these swashbuckling pirates and criminals. And so, you know, she, she feels like this need to almost go above and beyond to make people like her because she faces this discrimination. Like they're doing some really interesting stuff, but it's never you know, it's never just like shoved in your face. Mm-mm. And I think that's when Star Trek is the best. And that's when the, you see the best episodes of Star Trek and they do that in lower decks and it's, it's fantastic and it's hilarious. And uh, yeah, the section yeah. is such a good bit. That's like 99% of the reason why I wanted you to see this episode. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. It's really good. I, I, so far my favorite episode and I was texting you about it last night is season yeah. two, episode two, because I'm such a big fan of the, uh, Darmok and Jalad episode of Star Trek and there's a, you know, a Tamarian makes his way, yep. you know, onto, uh, the El Cerrito, <laughs> which I can't, it, it's not, it's just the Cerrito. I always say El Cerrito. I know. It's, it's so funny. And I, I got legitimately giddy when you sent me that text and you're just, you thought you got, when you said, you, so you texted me that the Tamarian says, Rapinki, when he joined the seven and then he apologizes <laughs> that his translator doesn't work. And I'm just like, the That's, fact that you understand that bit and think it's funny brings so much joy to my it life. It is so funny. Oh my God. I, <laughs> And there's so many more times in that episode where they, they where stuff is said that's just like so good. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And the last thing I want to say about Lower Decks is, you know, we talked about, I think another thing they do a good job with, it's not always, you know, sometimes I think the Temerian, like to get that joke, you probably need to know the Darmok episode, for example, but that's yeah. such a famous episode of Star Trek. Mm-hmm. So there are definitely references where you're like, huh, okay, it makes it better if you know it. But a lot of the other references that they do, and I say this is the majority, you don't need to be a Star Trek fan, I think. Yeah, no. You know, the Ascension, for example, that's a thing from Star Trek. It's been brought up a bunch of times, but we've never seen an Ascension. Yeah. And so... You know, it's if you know that, it's kind of fun on a geek. It's like, oh, this is what an ascension actually looks like. But if you're not a geek, it's just they set it up well enough where you're just like, that's a funny bit where he just yeah. freaks out. And it's it's, it's pretty great. And so I am very happy that you are at least a Lower Decks fan. Do you have any other Lower Decks thoughts? No, just that I need to slow down because I'm going to finish it too fast. <laughs> just watch it again. Right. I will. Still- I, and I, you know what's funny is I... I think this reaches all, I think it could reach all Star Trek fans if only they'd open their hearts because my uncle, who's a long time, you know, he's was watched the original series when it was out. And unfortunately he got, um, a bout of COVID last week. And so he's been quarantined for five days. He's totally fine, but he's been quarantined. And I was like, Oh, you got to watch this show. And he watched both seasons within two days, (laughs) just utterly destroyed them. And I was like, Oh, that's odd. And he just, um, and we were just talking about it. We, and it's, you know, so OG Star Trek fans can love it too. Yep. Yeah. I, um, I, I, we, I did talk a little bit about the controversy about this season. Um, so I hope, hopefully there's some of that we can salvage because not this season, but this series, I think there is a bit of controversy, especially amongst Star Trek fans. And so there's some interesting things to be mined there. So, Hopefully we can get into that with some of the salvage audio if you want to tune in past our little chat. Yeah. So yeah. finally, Mike, mm-hmm. this is what I've been waiting for. Would you like to tell the people, mm-hmm. did I do a good job? You've, tell me if I did a good job. You actually did a great job. Um, are, you, are you a Star you, Trek fan? You did a great job. And I think I can unequivocally say that I'm a Star Trek fan because... Woo-hoo. And this is probably more of a response than I gave you when we first recorded this. And I think I'm a Star Trek fan through the sheer fact that at night um, I can tell what shows I'm really into by like if when my wife falls asleep, I'll watch a few shows on my iPhone. And it's been consistently lower decks or next gen. I love that so much. I'm just I'm just making my way through it. Just getting through it all. I love it. Yeah. And I mean, we we touched on this, but I think it's uh that's the way to process Star Trek, I think, in my opinion. I think we just got done recording our review of Book of Boba Fett, and that's that's a show that you got to pay attention to a little mm-hmm. bit more. Yeah, um, but, you know, Star Trek isn't necessarily, you got to be glued to your seat, turn off the phone. You know, it's a show that my wife and I were going through all of the, all of Star Trek, and 
we've watched hundreds of episodes and we've done most of them in bed watching TV. And, you know, my wife falls asleep halfway through and we'll just stop it and pick it up the next day or something like that. And I think it's less of a constant, a constant, I don't know, something you need to focus on and more Mm. of a companion, something that's always there, always feels good. You'll come across bad episodes. You'll come across silly episodes, but like whatever, just move on to the next one because there's yeah. just another story that's going to be fun to be with those characters. And yeah. so I think that that you've you've got the vibe of Star Trek that I uh, that I was trying to get into. And you know, we're not going to have to do some deep dive podcast where we go into all the Easter eggs in the history because no one cares. It's just the put in the background, and fall asleep to this great great show. Love that. Yeah, many do. Yeah, so thank you for going on this journey with me, Mike. I really, really appreciate it, and I had a lot of fun with it. Um, again, I'm bummed that this this audio didn't work out. I thought we, we expanded on some of these themes in a very cool way. Um, but stay tuned after our little theme song here, um, and we will I will salvage as much of the audio show and talking about the future of Star Trek, what's coming up. Um, with some of the new shows, um, I will talk about some more of the background of these shows and some of the Easter eggs and kind of behind the scenes stuff, which I think is pretty interesting, but please stay tuned and let us know what you think. Did you check out Star Trek? How do you feel about it? Are you a Star Trek fan? You can email us at rebelsrebelspod at gmail.com and let us know. You can also find us at the same place, Rebels Rebels Pod on Instagram and Twitter and follow along. Like I mentioned, we are now fully into Book of Boba Fett and our first episode should be out by the time you hear this. So if you are a fan of Star Wars, please tune into that as well. Mike, do you have any last Star Trek thoughts? Peter, that you'd be happy to know that you're not Shaka when the walls fell, but in fact you are Sukath, his eyes uncovered. <sighs> that... That's so beautiful. Live long and prosper, Mike. Um, uh, I don't think there is a may response May the force be with you. <laughs> yeah, it's like may the force be with you. You can say, and also with you. <laughs> yeah, and also with you. <laughs> Bye. Bye. The United Federation of Planets, an interstellar union of different worlds and species with shared principles of universal liberty, rights, and equality. Equality? That sounds nice. Starfleet is the Federation's representatives for deep space exploration. On a mission to maintain peace and freedom. To explore strange new worlds. To seek out new civilizations. To boldly go where no one has gone before. Ha! This Federation biz sounds, uh, actually pretty good. Is such a collective possible? It is. I was surprised to receive a text saying that you were excited to talk about these two episodes. So just so we know, just for everyone who's following along, this is going to be a little bit different. Um, I think how we're going to format this as our last episode in this series is I gave Mike homework to watch two of the new animated series, Prodigy and Lower Deck. So we're going to talk about those, and it's going to be a little bit briefer than usual. If you listen to our Halloween episodes where we talked about some of the comics and the Lego special, it'll be more like that. And then I want to talk a little bit about what Star Trek is trying to do and how it moves forward into the future, um, because I think they're trying to do some interesting things. So just to set the stage for people who are not familiar, you may, you know, we're going to spoil the, it's technically the first two episodes, but it launched as kind of a one hour special as the pilot. This came out a couple months ago and it's now on a mid season break, which will um, return in January, I think January 6th after Discovery, and they've already greenlit season two. So Prodigy is an animated series. It's the first kids show that is a Star Trek kids show, except for, I mean, there was a weird animated series back in the day um, that's really bad, so maybe that's a kids show. But yeah, they're trying to go to a broader audience and really try to do something new. 
This series is set slightly in the future from Next Generation, about five years after Voyager. So this would put it in the 2380s. Um, and it was developed by Emmy Award winners Kevin and Dan Hegman, who did Troll Hunters and Ninjago. Um, it's a CG animated series, and it follows a, quote, motley crew of young aliens who must figure out how to work together while navigating a greater galaxy in search of a better future. No, it, uh, we honestly give credit to Alex Kurtzman. I think, you know, he was just looking at Trek, and as it's continuing to age or with the new shows, that you go down the toy aisles and you don't see the Star Trek lunch boxes anymore. You don't see... You know, you see a whole aisle of Star Wars toys, and you don't see anything for Trek. But not just that, but the canon is so rich. It, it's it's so rich, it's intimidating, I think, for even adults who are like, I'm kind of curious about Star Trek, but where do I start? What do I do? I don't, I, I, I don't want people to feel like they're, you know, foolish for not knowing the difference between a Vulcan and a Romulan, you know, where um, this is a show that is, is going to spoon-feed people who, who want to start on the bottom floor and work their way up and get into Starfleet, so to speak. Alex Kurtzman, who I think it's good for us to talk about him really quickly. He's now, uh, I mentioned that the original showrunner, Brian Fuller, who I'm a big fan of, of Star Trek Discovery, was kind of taken off before the project even started. And so it was given to Alex Kurtzman, who is one of the two people who brought back Star Trek with those big movies um, in the, uh, what's it called? There's the Kelvin timeline with like Chris Pine and everyone like that. And so was, he had a big success with that. And they've kind of, he's like the Dave Filoni of Star Trek now. So they, they signed him into a five-year deal. And the what they said was they specifically want him to expand the audience of Star Trek and tell new stories. And so this is, I mean, Lower Decks is probably the first thing he did. That was the big swing because that's something that they've never done before. And this is the next one. It's the first kid's show. And they're really pushing it because they're trying to do that. They're, and so his quote was, he said... That Prodigy will be kid-focused with an entirely different perspective and an entirely different tone, adding, what's exciting about it is not only looking at each animated series as a different, what's the different tone, but what's the different technology we can apply to these things so they're visually entirely different. And so I feel like, speaking to what you were just saying, they were really thoughtful about, you know, not only how is this different in comparison to all the other Star Trek stuff. Like, how is this different to Lower Decks, which is another animated thing? And probably how is this different to other things like Rebels, we said, or Clone Wars, which those had really shaky starts. We love both those series, but I tell people not even to, just to skip the entire first season of Clone Wars, for example. And so I think that perspective you have, I totally agree. A lot of these characters are pretty annoying, especially Dal, the main character. But Ezra Bridger in Rebels is one of our favorite characters of all time, and he sucked in the first season of Rebels. My name's Ezra. What's yours? Yeah, so this, I thought, and, you know, we already talked about the Rebels parallels, but that was one thing that jumped out to me is Dal is the main character. He's played by someone named Brett Gray, who I'm not familiar with, but I think he does a good job acting this character. Um, but Dal, in a lot of ways, is just literally Ezra Bridger. So the the small twist... Yeah, Aladdin, he's annoying. He's a quote-unquote like street rat to take the parlance from maybe a problematic term from that movie. But um, Dal is essentially Ezra Bridger because they're both parentless and kind of living on the streets. Um, the thing that's a little bit interesting about this crew compared to something like Rebels or other stories is, you know, and we're talking about a lot of Rebels, so if you haven't watched it, you know, we're not going to spoil anything and we'll try to not, like, go too... We're not going to go too crazy and nerdy about Rebels right now. But, you know, that was a story where there was a character who was a young child who didn't have a parent, parents. Uh, Ezra was... Didn't know the fate of his parents and was an orphan all by himself living in the streets. And kind of a family adopted him, you know? Like, there were the parent figures, there were the brother and sister figures, and they, you know... They kind of adopted him into their rebel crew. This is a little different because kind of everyone is in that Ezra situation. So everyone in this prison, in this mining colony, is basically stolen at birth. You, we see that scene where someone drops off a baby to the little little cute kitten baby to the prison. And the the diviner, who I think is such a creepy and cool character, just the way that they talk about like 
the diviner and how the diviner's daughter refers to him as the diviner and this weird stuff and the creepy tube. I don't know, he's just, I like that character a lot as a villain. Um, but the diviner talks about them and refers to them as the unwanted. So I think he has this narrative of like, Oh, we're bringing these people in, we're protecting them, but really they're slaves. And we can see that very quickly. And so all these people are slaves and they don't have families. They don't, know anything other than living in this mining colony because that's where they grew up and they're evidently looking for something which we see at the end of the episode the special thing about doll is he's a species that no one is familiar with so they don't know what he is he doesn't know what he is and he doesn't know his family he doesn't know where he came from he doesn't know his parents or anything like that as well and so that's kind of his deal is he's jaded street rat um, you know, he's got street smarts and the confidence, even though he's really scared and kind of just wants his mommy and daddy and wants to know where he came from. I agree with you that that character doesn't work yet, but I think with perspective, you need to really be patient to see how they grow. Cause like we said, Ezra Bridger becomes one of the best characters I've ever seen in animation or maybe even in any TV series. Um, but he was real rough and insufferable toward the beginning. We talked about in the Measure of the man, of a Man episode, one of the interesting things about Star Trek is, um, you know, the thesis in a lot of ways is when there's no more poverty, when there's no more, you know, there isn't a lot of war, that's all kind of a, you know, a bygone era of barbarianism, and now it's all about self-discovery and all your needs are taken for, care of, then what's the struggle? The struggle is your internal struggles. It's how do I become a better person? How do I help others? Things like that. The interesting thing about Prodigy is it's almost the opposite of that, is these are the people who are still dealing with with, uh, poverty. These are the people who are dealing with slavery. And so you're not coming from it from a perspective of we fixed all of our bases problems they're still dealing with the dirty parts of the galaxy and it's kind of interesting to see there's things like this that's been hinted at in other series but i I hope that they really deal with that in this series because you know the federation in a lot of ways if you're in it is probably pretty great uh but if you're outside of it and you're a slave you're poor you don't have food you probably look at the federation and you're probably pretty angry at these elitist people who have everything taken care of them. I said they've touched on it in Star Trek, and I wish they would explore it more. They've talked about it a little more in Discovery um, because they're doing some really interesting things with the Federation in later seasons as well. Um, There's a quote from Deep Space Nine. There's this rebel group called the Maquis, and the leader is talking to Captain Sisko, and he says he's talking about how the Federation, exactly what I'm saying, is the Federation around their, their ivory tower, and the people who are fighting these rebels are just, they have it hard, and... That he says, Open your eyes, Captain. Why is the Federation so obsessed with the Maquis? We've never harmed you. Starships chase us through the Badlands, and our supporters are harassed and ridiculed. Why? Because we've left the Federation, and that's the one thing you can't accept. Nobody leaves Paradise. Everyone should want to be in the Federation. Hell, you even want the Cardassians to join. You're only sending them replicators because one day they can take their rightful place on the Federation Council. You're even worse than the Borg. At least they tell you about their plans for assimilation. You're more insidious. You assimilate people. And they don't even know it. And I think that's probably a really interesting thing, the parallel between the Federation and the Borg. You know, we haven't seen the Borg in this, but they're the, the kind of the scariest bad guys in all of Star Trek, in my opinion. And their whole thing is just complete assimilation and everyone is exactly the same. So they're going to go to your world and they're going to turn everyone into Borg and they're going to take all your technology and integrate it to their society. And then everyone is just a mindless hive mind in the Borg. And that to us, we're like, that's terrible. That's scary. Oh my God. I hope Starfleet beats them. But if you're someone like Dahl, the Federation actually probably looks a lot like the Borg. Just all these people with no problems, just all thinking the same and being the same. And I think that's kind of an interesting philosophical thing that's lost on kids, but maybe is there for uh, some of the adults in the audience, which I really liked. The Federation? It's just another name for someone else in charge. Yeah, Janeway sings a nice song, but I can tell you from experience, people in authority lie. They try to sell you the good life, but it's a good life for them. Not us. We haven't mentioned it, but the thing they find at the end is they find a Federation ship 
called the Protostar. And there is a Captain Janeway hologram that's a training program on there that's her job is to train the crew and run lower level ship systems and teach them about the Federation. So these people who have no reference for that and have all these issues, how do they change and how do they grow as they are exposed to Federation ideals? And I think that's something that could be really interesting in this series and I kind of picked up on and liked a lot. I want to talk about some of the other characters um, and just run through a couple of them. Probably my next favorite, oh no, definitely my next favorite character, I'm just going to jump real quick, is Rock Talk. I don't know what that means, but if you see anything or hear voices in your head, growl at me. You understand? Wait a minute, where are your ears? Can you even hear me? What did you do? What did you press? And you're not a big fella. You're, you're a... What? <laughs> not what I thought. What? What's your name? Del. Rock Talk. Excuse me? My name. It's Rock Talk. Nice to meet you, kid. And that's another function of this that I thought was super, super cool is we talked about the universal translators. You know, there's a technology where it can translate all languages. So that's why all the aliens speak English, for example. Um, so when they're in this prison as part of the way to keep everyone down, they turn off all the universal translators and they block it so that you literally can't communicate with anyone other than like the scary guard robot. And so you're, you can't plan an escape. You can't like get friends necessarily, like, because you can't even communicate with the person next to you. So we see this big, tough rock creature and yeah it's the zeb character it's the it's the bruiser and then when the universal translator turns on it's this little girl voice and it's so cute and she has such a good arc throughout the series of being just the um the conscious of this because i mean she she sees things as a little girl she's this big scary and like people will use her as like go punch that thing and she's like i don't want to i want to make friends oh i want to i want to I want to hang out with these bunnies. And it's it's very sweet and naive in a very cool way that I really love. Um, so the next character I want to talk about, which I think is a very cool character, is Zero. So this is kind of the robot with the light spinny thing in there. And they talk about it a little bit in this series, but there's some history with this. And this is such a cool character. So Zero, um, this is a callback to uh, original series, a Kirk era being. And so... Zero is a Medusin, which the Medusins were a highly intelligent, telepathic, and empathic, that's the word, empathic uh, race, but they're non-corporeal, so they don't have a body. They're just like a floating ball of light. Um, Their thoughts were, quote, the most sublime in the galaxy, but their physical appearance was exactly the opposite. The sight of a Medusin rendered any person mad and if you're exposed for too long it would cause death by massive organ failure failure so that's why she's in that suit so she's tell or i say she but it's not it's not male or female sorry so they zero um is in this suit because if anyone actually looked at zero they would basically die (laughs) and go insane and that's actually what zero was doing that's why the diviner wants zero zero was captured on this prison colony and the diviner would use make other slaves look at the medusin unprotected to kind of brainwash them and so zero managed to escape and make this makeshift suit for themselves so that they can safely interact with corporal life forms and became kind of a rebel fighter and so i think that's a very cool I don't know. This is a cool idea for a character. Um, um, and I think there's some funny bits. I, this might be in later episodes, but like zero is kind of the C3PO, like doesn't have any filter really. And so like someone on the crew will be like, Oh yeah, I'm not worried at all. And zero will just be like, you are lying right now. They just always know what everyone's thinking, which is kind of a fun quirk. You're in charge. Do you lie to us? Yes. He lies all the time. <laughs> but I lie for us. That's it. What if we stop fighting and ride the shockwave? Let it propel us free. 
Bingo. You were reading my mind. Now that is another lie. Um, and then the last couple of things we're going to hit these super quick is I just want to shout out. This isn't my favorite character. I do think he's kind of funny, especially because he's a Tellurite, which is a funny race in Star Trek. Um, we have seen this race quite a bit. Uh, yeah, he's he's Lugnot, Jankum Pog. Um, he's a, they're a pig-like cre- uh, species. And so they talk about this a little bit, but basically they're kind of like grumpy dicks. Like that's just kind of like all of their species are that. And so looking looking at my research, it said Tellurites are known to be an impatient people, and they enjoyed a good argument and even considered it a sport. Tellurites often begin begin an interaction with a series of complaints. This is how they start arguments with someone they just met. And if they had nothing to complain about, they would just insult you. Because of their ability to argue, Tellurites made it excellent politicians. <laughs> and so they're just a funny species. And I also want to call it out because this is the one person I do really know. This is played by Jason Manzukis, who I think is a comedy god and is incredibly funny. And so I just am very happy anytime I see Jason Manzukis in literally anything, even if this isn't his best role. I mean, I can teach you guys how to fake take real drugs like a pro. I used to do it all the time when I was undercover. All you gotta do is close your nostril when you go down. Watch this. Oh, nope. I didn't do it that time. I got a full snoutful. Woo! Close the old nostroni and then... Oh, boy, I got more that time. Oh, <laughs> Guys, I'm telling you, the fake snorting can work. Watch. Oh, <laughs> So he's a character actor. You would know him if you saw him. If you watched The Good Place, he played Janet's boyfriend. Not to brag, but I almost have a full-grown penis now. He's, like, got wild eyes, and he's he's a Middle Eastern dude with wild eyes and wild hair. Um, he's just a comedian. He's been on, like, he had a really good thing on, a, what was it, The League, that fantasy football show that was on FX. Um, he was in the newest uh, John Wick. He was the TikTok man. He's on Comedy Bang Bang all the time. They put him in a lot of things as like, he'll be in three episodes, for example, and they'll just be like, we need someone who's just weird and really funny. All right. So he, he has a big role in Big Mouth, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Um, I know you didn't watch this, but this was a good show. Invincible. He was, is an animated series. Okay. Um, oh my God. Yeah. John Wick 3, as I said, there's a bunch of stuff I know you didn't watch. Lego Batman, uh, Search Party. Uh, he played a voice in the new DuckTales. Oh, he's in Parks and Rec a bunch? Yes. Der- Dennis Feinstein. He was the cologne guy. You guys ever been fox hunting? I have my own foxes flown in from Russia. We drug them pretty heavily so they can't get very far. In fact, mostly they just flop around on the ground. Makes it easier to just walk up and pow! <laughs> <laughs> Stupid foxes. It's deeply erotic. I know. I know. I told you. He's so funny. So he basically plays... I know. He plays that character in literally everything, but he's always, always, always funny. Um, and then I'm not I'm not gonna go deep into any of the other characters, but I did want to count uh shout out Murph, the the purple goo. But he's really cute and I am calling it out because he's played by D. Bradley Baker, which is yeah, I know, isn't that insane? Oh. Welcome to the crew, Murph. D. Bradley Baker, for those of you who don't know, is a, is a famous and really influential voice actor who does a ton, a ton, a ton of stuff in Star Wars, including all of the clone voices. So he is really influential in all of Star, Star Wars. Um, but yeah, he plays a purple goo in this, and that just makes like squeaking voices. <laughs> you know, I could definitely see where they're trying to go, and I'm excited for this to come back. I've, I found myself checking often and be like, oh, is there a new episode? Is there a new episode? Which I didn't expect, so... I'm I'm stoked on this. Um, do you have any last thoughts about Star Trek Prodigy? I'm a Star Trek fan. Nice. You did a great job. Yeah, totally. That's that's also fun too. And so, like I said before, the second half of this resumes on January 6th. And so if you've checked out Star Trek Prodigy and you like it or dislike it or have thoughts, especially if you're a Rebels fan who's been following along, let us know what you think. We would love to hear it. All right. You want to get into some lower decks, Mike? I'm a Star Trek fan. Yep. Captain's Log. Stardate 57436.2. First contact is a delicate, high-stakes operation of diplomacy. One must be ready for anything. (gasps) Are you pretending to do a captain's log? (laughs) We're all supposed to keep logs. Okay, let me listen to it. No, go away. Leave me alone. I can't believe you're wasting your shore leave on this. 
So we are talking now about Star Trek Lower Decks, and I'm very interested, actually probably more interested in, than anything, to hear your thoughts on this because I know, and you, you mentioned it when we, when I brought this up, I know you were not a fan of a lot of adult animation. This was actually created by the head writer of Rick and Morty, so his name is Mike McCann. Um, Mike McMahon, Mike McCann, I don't know. But um, So this was part of what I was saying, Kurtzman... Um, is was tasked to expand kind of what Star Trek was. And so this was his, one of his first ideas for that, and this is the first thing to kind of come on board. And so the production company called Secret Hideout uh, brought on Mike McMahon, and he was the head writer of Rick and Morty, as I said. And the reason he brought him over was because he did a general meeting with him, and he was just like Mike McMahon just, had a love of Star Trek. And that's one of the reasons why I like Lower Decks is it pokes fun at the weirdness of Star Trek, but at its core, it's a Star Trek show. You know, it's a, it is a love letter to Star Trek. It's a, like the core ideals of the things we love in Star Trek, figuring out how to come together, figuring out how to get over your personal demons. This does deal with a lot of the stuff and we see it in this episode of what I was talking about before, you know? What's the main thing in this episode? It's, I want approval from my mom and I'm mad that I don't have approval from my mom, Right. And so I think that was something that really clicked and is brought over to this series. Lower Decks is a half-hour animated show, so it feels like it's about the same length as like a Simpsons episode, and it focuses on four ensigns who are serving on a not-important ship in Starfleet. <laughs> and they have stories that are that are they're stories that I think feel very Starfleet. They're stories about working on a ship, who you're working with. Every Star Trek is kind of about a family, and our show is also about a family. It's just not the same family you've seen before. There's a lot of familiar Star Trek in it, and it was really important to me that even though we're a comedy, the comedy does not come from punching down on track or making fun of tropes. It feels like every episode is a real Star Trek episode. Just These are the people who fix stuff, who clean rooms, who do just kind of the dirty work. That also makes for an interesting story to me because you'll see often in a lot of these episodes because it's dealing with the lower deckers, there's always kind of a big giant thing happening in the background. Like kind of the next generation episode is happening in the background. I remember one of the first episodes, there's like an alien invasion that happens on the ship. And so all around them, there's all these aliens coming and blowing things up and they have to fight them off and escape. But like, that's not the story. Like that's the stuff that the officers are dealing with. The story is like, Rutherford is on a date while this is happening. And like they keep interrupting the date and he's like frustrated by that. And so that's kind of, it's a more grounded story in a lot of that way, which I think is pretty funny as well. Um, the other thing I'll say about this is that I personally love this series and that's why I was kind of waiting on bated breath. I like Prodigy quite a bit, but Lower Decks is something that I truly love. I think it's great. Um, but it's, it's kind of um, controversial in a lot of ways. You can, see that in a lot of fandoms especially like we see it in star wars a lot yeah they're like this isn't star trek and the thing that oh my god if i have to hear one more time the critique of lower decks be they would not swear in my star trek like i hear that constantly that people are just like upset that they swear in this show and i just don't understand that at all double dumbass on you if it doesn't work for you, fine. Like, I'm not in, in this to try to convince people to like things unless you're my co-host and I make you watch a bunch of stuff. Um, but, like, I don't know. To me, like, let's embrace the different. Let's embrace the weird. Let's embrace the new. And, like, you know what? Maybe maybe Picard's not going to be swearing, but I bet the person who empties Picard's trash would swear up a storm. So I'm not that concerned about it, right? The reviews were, so the first season, which is, is interesting because I actually liked the first season a little bit better than the second season, but the first season had kind of a mess score. Like if you look at Metacritic or Rotten Tomato, it was around a C minus ish, like in the sixties, seventies ish. Um, I think that the show needed to find some footing, which I think most first seasons need to do. And also people had to figure out if they jived with it. And I think a lot of people maybe checked out the first season and like, no, this is for me and left and left like had a bad review, but the second season is a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes. So, um, evidently like people really, really, really like the second season, even though I don't think it's that much different than the first season. Um, and so, you know, I think it's, again, it's people have feelings about the show. 
So you brought up some of the characters that you like Ensign Boimler. I think he's a great character. Um, him and Ensign Mariner, Beckett Mariner, are kind of the two main characters. And so Boimler is played by Jack Quaid, um, who I'm not sure if you would be familiar with his work, but he's a fantastic young actor who um, you may recognize his um, last name. He has a famous dad that is one of the Quaids. I don't remember which one. I'm going to look that up right now. Dennis Quaid. So he is, he, he's the son of Dennis Quaid and Meg Ryan. Uh, yeah. Right. Um, and so, I mean, obviously that doesn't come out that much in this, uh, but he is probably most famous for being on um, the boys, that Amazon show that's blown up the superhero show. Uh, so he's the main character of the boys. And so you might recognize him from that. If you're a fan of that show, which I am, um, but yeah, I think he's a great character. Like you said, he's the try-hard. He doesn't have a lot of raw talent, but he really, really just goes above and beyond and tries to follow all the rules. Ensign, do you see a captain's chair in your future? I hope so, ma'am. Hey, if I part my hair like this, do I look more promotable or less? I kind of liked this part where he's <laughs> this thing where he tries to break bad and even does that poorly, which is a very funny bit to me. Yeah, um, and then some of the other casts I want to call because this is a little bit more of a star-studded cast. Um, I'll say Beckett Mariner is someone else you might not be super familiar with if you're not a comedy fan, but she is played by Tawny Newsom, who is a stand-up comedian who I think is freaking hilarious, and she's a talented musician too. Um, and also she was just... I think within the last, over the pandemic, so probably a year or two, her and Paul F. Tompkins were named the official hosts of the Star Trek podcast from, you know, from Star Trek. And so they host a cool Star Trek podcast where they just interview cool cast members and they're just very, very fun, loving personalities. And I really like Tawny Newsom, what she brings to this character. I'm good at exploring strange new worlds and solving space mysteries. Let's see what I got assigned. Holodeck waste removal. That's Klingon prison stuff. Now, this series is structured very much like a show like The Good Place, um, something like Parks and Recreation, maybe even The Office, where part of the, exactly what you said, the comedy is number one. That's what people are tuning in for. But there's an undercurrent of these characters slowly growing. You know, there's not going to be a big episode necessarily that's a huge thing about the mother-daughter relationship. But every episode, maybe the lessons learned. And that changes them for the episode following, right? And so and to put this in context, this is actually... So it mentioned that in the first episode, we find out that uh, Captain Freeman is Beckett Mariner's mom. And... Mariner's dad is actually an admiral that is stationed elsewhere. And so no one else on the ship knows this other than them two, and they're keeping it a secret. And so this is actually the first episode where she calls her mom. So it's it's a very cold, frigid relationship, and you see that throughout this. So if you are taking those steps, I think this is the fifth or sixth episode or something like that, is you, you'll see kind of their icy relationship. And so when it kind of, they're forced to actually face it and act like a mom and daughter in this peril. It's kind of like, Oh, that was kind of big that she acknowledged that. And that is kind of the undercurrent that I like about this. And it goes to what I was saying before about working on your interpersonal demons instead of the external ones is, you know, this episode, the heart of it is about, you know, a captain, a mom realizing that she's acting out just like her daughter and she hates that her daughter acts out, but, Maybe that's something she learned from her. And Mariner, in turn, is feeling seen by her mom for the first time, at least in this series. And that allows them to actually work together and drop their guard and become a little more vulnerable. And that will pay off as the show goes on a little bit, which is really interesting. Um, I will say, you know, that's that's not the main through line of it. But I will say that this series is essentially just... Ever, just giant therapy session for Mariner. It's it's about how not to be a jerk to your friends, how not to be a jerk to your mom. Like, you know, she, a lot of her insecurities just come out in anger and jokes. And so how does she break that down and become close to people when she hasn't really been able to do that in the past? And so I think that's a that's kind of a cool added bonus to this show that I really, really like. 
Yeah. Um, and then really, really quick to close it out, um, Noelle Wells is Ensign Tendi. She's the one who interrupted the the Ascension, which I thought was, again, just another very fun uh, fun thing. So Noelle Wells, you might know from SNL, and she's been in a bunch of uh, indie movies now. She, she's really funny in this and a very sweet character. Her Some background on her character is her character's an Orion, which is kind of like a warrior race that they they were slaves and then they enslaved people and so they're kind of known as the pirates of the galaxy and so she's kind of like trying to break that mold and that's why she's kind of a tryhard is she wants to not be known as just the orion and then another comedian this is another great thing is i think they're just plugged in because their main character is a stand-up comedian so they're all plugged into the la comedy scene so if you're a fan of like comedy podcasts or comedy bang bang, you'll know a lot of these names. So Eugene Cordero is Ensign Rutherford, who is the engineer guy with the Vulcan implants, and he's just another sweetie. And him and Tendi are best friends. So so the lower deckers are really that foursome. The show is really about Boimler and Mariner, and they're kind of the buddies. Um, but they have a very cool. They're they're in a lot of the B stories, and they have very cool stories and a very cool relationship, and I like them quite a bit. Other notable people to call out is that you know, the Commander Ransom, who I think is another very funny character. He's just kind of poking fun at the the manly first officer uh, who's lifting weights, and he kind of throughout the series pokes fun at people like Riker or Kirk, who's just like the ladies' man that just beats everyone up. Um, that is played by Jerry O'Connell, which is kind of fun, and I think he does a great job too. And then the last one I'll say is this is only episode because obviously he ascended, but um, Lieutenant O'Connor, that character, was played by Haley Joe Osment. I know, right? And so that's another fun. They get a lot of really cool um, guest guest people just coming in for like one episode or something like that. Um, I'm a huge fan of the Detroiters. Um, Tom Robin, uh, Tim Robinson and Sam Richardson. They're both really funny and they each played a role on an episode here. So they'll just get really funny comedians to just do one or two episodes and then peace out. But yeah, I, I think the show is great. I think it's hilarious. Um, I love the Easter eggs in this. If you're a Star Trek fan, if you're not, I think it's all, it's really, really funny as well. Yeah, so seasons one and two are out now on Paramount+. Plus. Um, season three has been ordered, but the air date is TBD. So check that out. I'm a big fan. Cool. So let's close this out, Mike, and I will just let's do a quick overview of the future of Star Trek. You've gotten a little bit of a sprinkling of what they're trying to do with this. Like I said, they're trying to expand into new things. And so that'd be interesting. Just hit real quick. Some of the things that are upcoming and some of the rumored things you've checked out discovery. So you know that discovery season four is out now. I will say it is fantastic so far. It's only a couple episodes in. This is probably my favorite season of discovery. Um, so I'm very excited to see what they do. That sh- that is a very interesting show. It's uneven at times, just like Next Generation was. But some of the things they do when it's at its highest peaks is kind of incredible. And they they do something very interesting after the second season that blew my mind and forever changed the series in a very cool way. So if you're interested at all, I'd say check out Discovery. Um, you may have also heard that there is a... Picard series. I will say from a writing standpoint, I was not that into it. Um, I thought that the some of the story beats was pretty weak. What I will say is they are doing some pretty interesting things with a darker take on Star Trek. I mean, we're, we're finding Picard literally at the end of his life. He's out of Starfleet, doesn't really know what to do, and he's trying to find a mission, trying to find someone else to save, and it's really an indictment of his personal demons in a lot of ways, which in an interesting way. Um, so I'd say it's definitely worth seeing, especially if you're a fan of like, I don't know, like, I don't want to just, you know, what's Picard up to now? Like what's, what's up in, in the universe that we left, like revisiting those old friends feels really good to me. So it, it's interesting. Season two comes out February. Um, so, and they've already ordered season three as well. And so I would recommend checking it out, but yeah, I was, I was a little lukewarm on it. The, probably the next thing I'm really interested in is there's a series they have announced that's coming out sometime in 
2022. And you'll actually meet these characters if you continue with Discovery. But did you know there was a captain of the Enterprise that we saw on screen in the pilot of the very first Star Trek episode before Kirk? His name was Captain Pike. Yeah, so we saw him. He was in the movies and stuff like that, too, like if you saw the new movies. So Captain Pike um, was the captain of the Enterprise, but... You know, behind the scenes, NBC rejected the initial pilot because they thought it was too dull. And Jeffrey Hunter, the person who played Pike, didn't want to come back. And so they replaced him with William Shatner. But this character Pike is part of canon. And so he was the captain of the Enterprise. So they are doing a prequel before Kirk of Pike in the Enterprise. So we're basically going back to that old Enterprise. There's going to be a young Spock. So we actually do see young Spock and Pike in a... Uh, in Discovery, and so it's a spinoff with them going around the galaxy before Kirk in the in the OG Enterprise. So I'm interested to see how that is. That's going to be 2022. Um, there's also a spinoff of Discovery called Section 31, which is like their weird um, special ops kind of thing, kind of the black ops of Star Trek. Um, so that's coming out at some point. We don't know much about it. Um, but the last two things that are kind of big you may have heard of is Star Trek Four, so the new um, in the Kelvin timeline um so far this has been really tumultuous the last movie wasn't that popular um and it's died and been brought back i actually like them quite a bit the second one was not good but i thought the last one was actually really fun but i thought the first one and the, the third one were really good um but there was a bit of news that came out recently that the director and creator of wandavision matt shackman had signed on to direct the latest movie in the Kelvin timeline. So still TBD, but I thought he did some cool stuff with WandaVision. So that might be a fun thing to check out. And then this one's wild. Have you ever heard of the fact that Quentin Tarantino wants to make a Star Trek movie? And this is real. This is a hundred percent real. So last we've heard, he was in contact with Paramount to make it happen around 2019. And he was expected to start working on it after once upon a time in Hollywood. Um, the script was written evidently. So he has a script, but evidently Paramount has yet to sign off on it. They've kind of been going back and forth, probably on like wondering how many feet scenes you can put into it. But, um, yeah, that, I don't know if you have any thoughts about that. That sounds wild. I can't even think of what a Quentin Tarantino Star Trek movie would be like. So those are kind of the things coming up. And so that's kind of the future track of Star Trek. You know, like I said, with some of these things, you know, Section 31, the prequels, revisiting Picard, they're trying to do a good mix of the stuff you love, the characters you like, going back to it, but then also pushing things with Discovery, these animated series. If this Section 31 or Starfleet Academy show come out, um, you know, those would be definitely new things we haven't seen in Star Trek before. And so I think they really are trying. Whether or not it's connecting with audiences, I'm not sure because I definitely know it doesn't have the cultural zeitgeist of something like The Mandalorian, but that is kind of what's on the roadmap. Just to close out all the Star Trek talk um, for not only you, but for our fans, just a couple things just to touch on because we didn't touch on everything. There's a whole nother series called Enterprise that we didn't talk about. Um, it's probably, people say it's probably the weakest one. It, it's way before the original series. Um, it takes place in 2150 uh, with one of the first warp ships ever. And I admire a lot of the stuff they did. They have maybe the worst theme song I've ever heard in an entire show ever. It's been a long road. There's also the movies, which I think you, you expressed that you want to check some of those out. Most of them are bad, but I mean, there are a lot of movies to check out. And then there's some cool characters and things that you haven't been exposed to, which I, I, I really hope that you get a chance to. One is Q. So there's a being of basically infinite power. He's literally a god. Like he could do literally anything he wants and he spends his entire time either judging humans because he thinks that they're terrible and like having Picard prove that humans aren't all that bad or just like messing with him because he's bored. And so he'll just like, I don't know, turn everyone into cats just because like he doesn't care. And so that's kind of, he's a chaos agent. It's the ultimate chaos agent. They'll be in the middle of a really important mission. All of a sudden Q will just show up on like just to mess with Picard because he's bored. And so he's a fun character and a big fan favorite. The Borg, which we've talked about a lot, scariest, coolest bad guys in all of Star Trek. Um, the Cardassians, Romulans, we didn't really touch on, but they're really good villains.
I just got to shout out Luxana Troy. Um, this is a wild character. So it's Deanna Troy's mom. And so this character is played by Majel Barrett, who was Gene Roddenberry's wife. And so she's the voice of the computer. And basically she's just shoved into every Star Trek thing because it's Gene Roddenberry's wife, just collecting them checks. She's actually a fun character. She's she's written to be obnoxious, basically. She is maybe one of the most annoying characters on TV. I don't think it's her fault as an actor, um, but she shows up and once a season in all of Next Generation. Riker to Counselor Troy. Your mother's just come aboard. Deanna, my dear, it's mother! Even, even Picard hates her. Like Picard's like, oh my God, your mom's coming? Jesus Christ. <laughs> Yeah, so those are some interesting characters and themes that you haven't necessarily dove into yet that I would suggest our listeners and you check into. Um, and there are some other insanely good episodes for this, including a Deep Space Nine episode in the Hollow Suite where they just play a baseball game called Take Me Out to the Hollow Suite, which I think you would especially like. So to anyone who listened to all this, to anyone who joined us from The Greatest Generation and Greatest Discovery... Thank you so much, and I will say as we go out, oh, I'll report to Bridge Duty, and they'll get exactly what they deserve. Oh, no, nothing. That was all, Dick. Uh, Moriarty. (laughs) Bye.